It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Across the Pond WNBA Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your hosts of Across the Pond WNBA Podcast, Michelle Snow and James Scott. Welcome back to Across the Pond WNBA Podcast, back with Michelle and myself, James. It's been a busy week in the WNBA, Michelle, but unfortunately I was on vacation and had no cell service, no internet service. I was in the woods somewhere in Middle England, not seeing so much. How's it been going? It's been going good. I mean, it's, it's been a great week of games. A couple of great games last week with the sky in Connecticut. Then you got um, the Aces and the Storm. You got the Aces taking over first place in the West. So that was pretty neat. You just saw a lot of changes this week. Chelsea Gray comes out of the the woodworks and goes bananas to to put the storm on top. So it's been a great week of basketball and next week's going to be even better. Yeah, there's a lot of good games coming up later on uh, next week. Now, this weekend has been a very important weekend. Obviously, this show comes out Monday. So by the time this comes out, happy Independence Day. Yes. When that happens. Are you doing anything special for it? Yes, we just moved into the house, so um, unpacking. I've been unpacking nonstop for two days. So I told um, you know my baby girl, I was like, listen, tomorrow and and uh, Monday, don't call. I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving anything. You got to get everything done today because we just want to enjoy just moving into the new home. No, it's, it's always the same when you just move. You just want to get in and done. Uh, I'm I'm totally on board with that. We already knew the Team USA that's going to the Olympics and it had been announced that it would be a Team USA against the Team WNBA. So this week we got to find out who Team WNBA would be. And 
I don't, there, there was a couple of surprises in here for me. We'll go, we'll go through it. Duana Bonner, it's her second, uh, she, well, she's a two-time WNBA champ. She's had a pretty solid season this year. Yeah, she's having a phenomenal season in Connecticut. Her and Jasmine Thomas are really leading that team. And it shows they're leading out in the East. Now, one person that did make the team that I didn't think would make the team, and not because she wasn't worth it at all, absolutely, actually the opposite of that, I thought she definitely deserved it, is Liz. I, I thought Liz wouldn't make the team because she would be with Australia. However, she kind of made a deal with the Australian head coach that mm-hmm. she could come take part. And I think that's really important for her, isn't it? I think it's important on so many levels, Um, not just for her playing career. I think it's great to play against Team USA in the All-Star game. I think it helps her with endorsements because she's really big on her platform outside of basketball as well. So this is another opportunity for her to kind of get her name and some of the things she's working on and passionate about out there to all of the basketball community. The another name that came up when I was looking through the list was Candace Parker. And Candace Parker obviously didn't make Team USA. I wanted to see her. I want, I want to see her in Team WNBA, especially if she's not going to be on the USA side. But at the same time, I was kind of like, well, this is actually kind of really big of her because she could have just, like a lot of men do, just spat the dummy out and be like, oh, I'm not playing because, you know, I didn't get picked for the USA. But, she, you know, she's going to be there. She's, it's her six all-star selection, which is awesome. She's obviously made inroads this season after coming back from injury. I mean, the Sky have been, it's like night and day. Without her, they were really not doing well. And with her, they just fly, which has been awesome. Um, Has there been any selections in there that surprised you? Honestly, this year was so different because one, the way they did the voting, two, 50% was fans, sometimes it's 100%. The, you got your uh, broadcasters at 25%. And then, of course, the players being able to vote as well, as long as they weren't voting for people on their team. It brought an interesting mix of the final 36, which I thought was neat. All of those people could have easily made the team because, like we said, the talent is getting ridiculous in the WNBA. It's almost like there are so many other people who could have been included as well who deserve it. Um, it's just, it's down to the fans, the broadcasters, and then um, your peers. And these are the ones who rose to the top. So no surprises. Like I love everyone that's on this list. Honestly, they're all great players. You obviously want to see all 36 people, (laughs) but it's not possible. No, it would be nice. But what is good is uh, one of the kind of all-star selections I like this year is Courtney Vandersloot. Because I think on the sky, although they were struggling without Candice, she was kind of a real highlight of that team. And and that was really good to see her. Uh, I think missing for me is Sabrina. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Sabrina play on Team WNBA. She obviously wouldn't have played on the USA side. But I think that would have been nice to kind of see Sabrina. But I know she's still kind of struggling with that ankle injury. And I think... I was going to say the injuries may have played a part in the voting You kind of said it earlier with the voting because we've seen in the NBA there was, when they left it to the players to vote, there was some really crazy votes getting cast. But the WNBA took a more serious approach and said you can't vote for players on your own team and and those kind of things. So they put in some rules and 
and stuff. It wasn't just carte blanche and kind of do what you want. So it was kind of cool. But no, I, I like the all-star selection. I think I think Vegas is going to be rocking. I think this is going to be an amazing game. And there's a lot of first-time all-stars yeah. in, in these two teams. And I think the USA, I mean, you mentioned it last week. You know, there's a lot of kind of young talent on that USA side that, that don't have this kind of, haven't had this experience yet. So this is going to be awesome for them. It is. It's going to, especially in Vegas on top of it. You got everyone, you know, in the U.S., all eyes are on you around the world. You got Team USA that you're battling against. It's the best of the best going at it in one of the most fun cities you can actually be in. And then it's the 25th anniversary. So you got all the legends that are going to be there as well. They're getting honored. The 96 Olympic team is actually going to be honored during halftime. I thought that was pretty neat as well. All-Star is going to be a ton of fun this year. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be outrageous. And what's good is, you know, restrictions are starting to lift. So there's going to be fans, which kind of adds to it. And I think, I think there's a lot going on around Vegas to do with the WNBA. One thing I did note, is that ESPN are going to show this live on July 14th, which is really good. And it's going out on ESPN, not ESPN 2 or Plus or anything like that. It is going out on ESPN. And I think that's a, a really good, strong message from ESPN because, you, again, something you mentioned last week is themselves, ESPN, Bleacher Report, all these media organizations are trying to give the WNBA more love um, and more airtime. And I think... I think this this is a good way, good step forward as well. Yes. I mean, a lot of people look to ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated. Um, these have become the icons around sports. They talk about the top um, players and they're doing a much better job of including and being inclusive of women overall in all sports. And as you do that, I think it will flow throughout the community, the global community. And you will see people being more receptive because as I said, you have dads who will diss women's sports and they have a daughter that's sitting there listening and watching. And what are you saying to that kid that that's coming up, that they're less than, that they're not worthy or if there's no equity. And I think as people become more aware of that, they will become more aware of how they um, project and show women's sports across the board. I, I really like ESPN. They've been very positive about this and getting out there. And, and I think the kind of media campaign around this all-star game has actually been really good. Um, oh, yeah. Probably probably more at the forefront than normal. And maybe that is a kind of Team USA kind of thing as well. You know, gearing up for the Olympics mm -hmm. adds adds to this. And there's a few players on that WNBA team that will be thinking, I should be on that USA team. So oh, yeah. now normal all-star games around sports leagues are usually kind of, there's not much defense being played. You know, it's all for a show. Do you think that this All-Star game might be a little bit different because there is that kind of, I should be on that USA team? It's, it's several different things. There's the, I should be on the team part where there's the chip on the shoulder. And there's also the competitive side of, I just have something to prove. I want to show you next time around, I'm the next up and coming Olympian. And the best way to show that, put on a show right here in Las Vegas while you're playing against the best of the best. And one of the best of the best is Sue Bird. 
she breaks a record by becoming a 12th time all-star we mentioned her last week we had her as our player spotlight how special is it going to be for sue to kind of have that i mean 12 time all-star i mean that's over a decade of all-stars yes it just shows you know how much hard work she's put into the game and it's good to see her getting her flowers while she's still playing if she tops that off or when she, I'm not going to say if, when she tops it off with the fifth gold medal, man, it's, it's just icing on the cake at this point. It's, it's almost like you're living in the dream and it's a reality at the same time. And everyone gets to go on that journey with her. So for the sports fans and for her personally, it's going to be a lot of fun this summer. And what about the coaches for the team WNBA? Wow. So... When you're looking at the WNBA teams, you have two legends in their own right. I mean, you got Tina Thompson and you got Lisa Leslie. They're they're coaching for the team, but I think it's also important to understand that they're also WNBA legends. They're the most decorated players in league history. They're WNBA's all-decade team in 2006, and they're among the honorees in 2016. Um, It's the top 20 out of 20, um, celebrating the 20 greatest and... Then on the other side of it, you got Don Staley, who's also just as decorated and is, and is a part of all of those same um, accolades. It's going to be fun to watch the greatest minds who are former players strategize against each other because this will give Don an edge going into the Olympics to see what they bring to the table as coaches against her. It gives her a chance to go against zone and all the different things she may want to test out during that game against some of the best WNBA players while uh, Team USA is in the building. And the fans get to watch it all. And that's the important part. And it's always the important part about All-Star is the fans uh, The fans will get like a, a preview to this yeah. Team USA. And at the same time, they'll get to see what I think will be a very, very competitive game. Uh, I think when you look at Candice, you get Courtney, uh, the two Courtneys, and Liz, I think, I think that is just a makeup of a great, great team. And like you said, like that, that 12 minus Liz, who's Australian, uh, could could easily make the USA team. Uh, Liz, they would probably have to give her US citizenship and and she could still make the USA team. So there's a lot to be looking forward to. On the USA side, I'm really looking forward to seeing Brittany go up against Liz. I think that's going to be interesting. And I think it will be nice because I actually think Sue and maybe Diana will maybe take a bit of a, not a backseat in this game, but I think they will kind of push the younger players to do more. And I think we'll see some real leadership from both Sue and Diana. You should. I mean, that's the point is you want to get ready for the Olympics. This is the opportunity to push those younger players to say, hey, let's see what you got against the best of the best while you have the guidance of, all decade top 15 players all time guiding you and giving you that cheat sheet on how how to get things done amazing teachers to have we're going to talk about Diana Taurasi a little bit later on she also hit a record this week so we will get into that right after this break okay and we're back so Michelle 99% of the league's players have been vaccinated that is and that's obviously against COVID that's huge. Uh, I don't think any other league has kind of reported that kind of, and I'd call it a success rate because uh, I think the the pandemic has been hell for, for people for the last 
for the last year and a half, and it's not been easy for for Joe Bloggs sitting at home, who just wants to kind of go out and work, watch sports, relax. Uh, we have sports back, and I think as well, it's really good because I think the WNBA are, are kind of putting their best foot forward and being a leader and showing that you know the vaccine works. I'm not surprised at all. When you look back at last summer, it was these same women, the players who were leading that charge, who went into the bubble, dealt with everything, showcased it on social media, their social platforms. They've been all about fixing the vaccine, fixing inequities within um, our society as a whole. So I'm not shocked that the league um, is gonna make sure everyone is safe, healthy, and make sure that they're able to continue to promote the things that matter, the game of basketball, as well as all the other fun stuff, like just getting to know the, the players and their narratives. I think it's really great. And I think it shows great leadership uh, from the WNBA. And like I said, it, it's people can look to the WNBA for a kind of inspiration. And, you know, I remember watching the NFL last year and you had games getting moved around. If you look at Major League Baseball, they had the same issue. They, some teams I don't even think finished their season. Uh, I think the NFL were exceptionally lucky to finish their season. I think if they'd had one or two more problems, that might not have happened, especially not on time. But the WNBA went to the bubble. They were huge on social media, absolutely humongous on social media and very kind of out there, like you said. And they've just kind of continued that. And it's great to see a league and its leadership and its players kind of in sync because it doesn't happen that often. It doesn't. Um, I think you got some great people leading the players union side of things. And then the commissioner has truly stepped up and done an exceptional job with looking at how do we get the game out there to the masses in a way where it appeals. And they're doing those things, having the all-star game in Vegas, you know, it's just the little things that can take this game and blow it up. I feel like they're really spending a lot of time on that marketing piece and that marketing side in order to be able to make sure the players are number one safe and two, that they're inspiring others. And I think they are. Uh, there's no question of that. Uh, let's move on to games then. So there was a number of games that you called for last week that you were desperate to see. They were both on Sunday of last week. Yes. What was the first one that you had that you were going to look at? Um, oh, man. Woo. I got to start with the other one because I want to finish on that one. Oh. But I'm going to start with the Sky and the Chicago um, game because Bonner went to work. Okay. Bonner, Jasmine, Thomas, they ended uh, Candace's um, seven game winning streak, which, I mean, we all know you can only win so long. It's, it's okay. You got to bounce back. Chicago had um, a bit of a shooting funk that game, which happens. And I think they'll bounce back. But when you looked at the Sun, I think they sent a very strong message too. You guys want to compete with us? You know, we, were, we had a close game earlier in the season, but they came back in this game and really set the tone, made some key adjustments. You had Quigley, Copper that scored 11 to lead Chicago. That's not going to cut it. We all know, you know, CP is going to have to lead that team, um, Vandersloot other people and they just had an off night. They really, it just looked like they had an off night because you got a double digit, almost 20 point game. 
here. So it was interesting to see that. And that's why Connecticut is leading in the East. I think Chicago is going to compete with them going down the stretch and they're going to learn from this game. Um, I expected it to be a lot closer. I really did. But I felt like Jasmine Thomas just exploded for 18. You know, you had Patrice who exploded season high, 11 rebounds, controlled the boards. And then the shooting percentage was really the thing that stood out to me. Chicago just had a, a tough night. Yeah, Chicago did have a tough night. And uh, even Candace, uh, Candace yes. Parker only scored six. She was three from 11. Yes. And and her teammates weren't much better shooting. And that really showed. And Vandersloot and the Shields, they're usually players that on offense can deliver. Yeah. I would say on defense, they probably still did because they still held the sun to 74. Mm-hmm. Yes. But like you say, there were some standout performances from Bonner Jones and Thomas as well. Their bench didn't produce too much, but their starters did all the work. And I think it was a, a well, well-earned win for the Suns, uh, for the Sun. And I think they really are putting their best foot forward by making their mark on the sky and saying, look, just because you've got Canada's back doesn't mean you can walk all over us. Man, their defense... I mean, nine steals and forced 18 turnovers. And then if you look at free throws, that was the game right there. They got to the line and those turnovers, they turned them into points. Turnovers can absolutely kill a game. And I think that's probably what's happened here. What was that special second game that you had? Oh my goodness, come on. I told you guys. Aces and Storm was going to be the game of the week. I've been amping this one up for a while, waiting on it. The way they won, I think, was the best part. It was it was surprising because Chelsea Gray basically said, this is why I'm on the Olympic team. If you don't know who I am, let me introduce myself. And she did it <laughs> against the toughest team in the West. And she had 15 of her 21 points after the third quarter. I was like, who does this? Um, She hit the go-ahead jumper to send them into overtime. And in the final second, she had another five points. Like she was just, every time you turned around, the best part of watching Chelsea ball out was watching her teammates cheer her on. Like Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage, they were going bananas on the bench in the game. And it was fun because it wasn't because Seattle had a bad night. The score was 95-92. Brianna Stewart totally came and delivered, as always. 35 points, 11 rebounds, three block shots. And Mercedes Russell tied her season high. She had 12 and 11. So they beat, not Connecticut, they beat the Storm at full strength in overtime in a thriller. And Brianna missed two shots to actually get the win or to go into a second overtime. The storm was out of timeouts. They used the review period. They were trying to use that to drop the plays. And Brianna got great looks, which she can easily knock down. We all know that. So I felt like it was an opportunity where the Aces were able to say, we are here. We're not going anywhere. We have a strong team. And as I said so many times, this team has depth. Anyone can step up on any given night. This time it was Chelsea Gray. And I think, I think, the Aces have been clipping at the heels of the storm all season long. You were kind of just waiting for this game because you knew it was going to be a good, good, solid game. And it did not it did not disappoint in the slightest. 
I looked at it and I, I looked at Seattle's box score first and I see obviously Brad Stewart kind of stands out straight away. You're like, Absolutely. wow, 35 points. Wow, that's, that's, that is some good going. But when you looked at the, the aces, I, I think the points are just spread more evenly. I think they relied on each other, whereas I think, and sometimes you find this with the Storm, Sometimes they rely on one player. Now, it's not always Brianna Stewart. Sometimes it'll be Sue Bird. Sometimes it'll be someone else. But I think teams that win basketball games and win championships are teams that kind of score together, rebound together, block together. And when you see those stats kind of leveled out across a team, because everyone's pulling in the same direction, it's nice to have a superstar and it's nice to have yeah. kind of come out and, and have big games. But I think... At the same time, it's nice to have that consistency. And I think that's what the AC showed, is that they were more consistent. But it was such a close game. I mean, to go to overtime and then 95-92. And I think I, I did see a clip of Sue Bird's face and, uh, after the game. And, like, you could that, that was a face of when's the next game? When are we playing ACs next? Like, I, I want them now. Like, can we just play them tomorrow night? Like, that was, that was what I read from that face. Was I want her? I want the ACs now. I love it because it sets it up for the games going down. I mean, now you have the Aces who are top seed in the Commissioner's Cup. They these teams are not playing about half a million dollars. They want that money. And I, and I think as well, the Commissioner's Cup, we've not spoken to, too much about it, but I think the Commissioner's Cup is something that adds something to, to these games as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think having this kind of mid-season kind of tournament, I think, yeah, I think it's quite, it, it's a bit more fun. It's not, yeah. I mean, because there's a, a lot of leagues uh, that shall remain nameless that play a crap load of games and at the end of the season, like the records aren't that much different. So and there's not much to play for in between. Whereas this Commissioner's Cup it has been more interesting because you have had that kind of thing in the back of the mind as well. And I think I do think the WNBA, is, again, it's something that they need to promote more and get it out more that this this is what they're doing and this is how it's running. Because there isn't unless there's an actual Commissioner's Cup game on, no one really talks about it. So it'd be good to see them kind of talk about it more as well. I think with it being in the first season, it'll get there. And I think it's kind of like that test season too. Let's test this out. You have no games off. There's no coaster games. That's the best part about it. The fans are getting, they're getting their money's worth every single night, which that brings in more fans. And I think like you just spoke to that with the other leagues. Sometimes you have such a long season then you have a ton of games that people sit out or they're not as important. Whereas this kind of adds another component to it where that competitor, them competitive juices are still flowing. Everyone still wants to get in there and um, fight every night. So I think they're going to work it out. I have to get a commissioner credit. Like they're doing a lot of great things and they're kind of just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks and how receptive fans are to it. I think they're getting a great, great feedback from the fans. Even yeah. from the like everyone loves this format because it's it's important to have competitive games, like you alluded to. I am not a fan of player players resting, like in setting out games, because 
you know, it's, it's a long season. Well, of course it's a long season. You get paid to play that long season. So I, I am a fan of the Commissioner's Cup. I think it's a good thing. And I think you're right. I think it's probably something that will be tweaked over time. Uh, yeah. But it's it's definitely something that's going to be more interesting. Aces are now top of the West. Yeah. Sun are now top of the East, or yeah. still top of the East, with Chicago kind of not far behind. Seattle, I mean, they're... Seattle are only second based upon the fact that they lost the Aces because they actually have the identical record. Do you think this is going to be it? We've got a, a real, we've got a real war in both the East and the West between the Sun and the Chicago and between the Aces and the Storm. Absolutely, and that's what you want. I, I'm telling you, like this is why you sit up late at night trying to watch every game from the East to the West Coast because it's fun and you don't have to be a fan of one team. You can be a fan of so many different teams, so many different players now. And when you say staying up late, I mean, three in the morning probably counts for that, right? Let's move on to our player spotlight. This week is Diana Taurasi. Diana just hit 9,000 points, which is the first person in WNBA history to do so. Uh, that, that's pretty exciting. Oh, it's very exciting. And with Diana, she has played in the WNBA for a while. She was drafted uh, back in 2004, first mm-hmm. overall by the Phoenix Mercury. Something we don't see a lot in sports nowadays is players staying with the same team throughout their career. But that is something that she has managed to do with the WNBA. Now, she has played in Europe as well. Uh, she's played in Russia, in Turkey. But she is a three-time WNBA champion, two-time WNBA finals MVP, and she also won WNBA MVP in 2009. Mm-hmm. We spoke about Sue Bird having 12 all-star selections. <laughs> Diana has 11, so <laughs> this is probably about a rivalry there. When you came into the league, Diana was obviously a couple years in, two years behind you, but when she came in, did she immediately kind of make an impact? Oh, yeah. She, she's been making an impact since far beyond before college. I mean, college is kind of when it became a mainstream, winning the two championships at Connecticut. Then she just carried that over into the league. She's always had a level of maturity about her game as far as how she approaches it, how she plays. She takes care of her body. That's why she's able to play as long as she has. But her mental, her mentality is just unbelievable. Like DT just has a different, she's on another level from most players. She doesn't think about fatigue and all those silly things that people, you know, like she has a fractured sternum and she's back in four weeks playing again and going to the Olympics again for her, her uh, what fourth title, I think is her fourth one. She just has a killer mindset. She's done everything, played in every league. Like you said, from Europe, the European league, all the way back to the States year round for this long at that level. I'll be honest, like most people don't have the mental capacity to do that. This is actually going to be her fifth Olympics. Uh, She was in Athens, Beijing, London, and Rio. So this is, this is her traveling around the world, you know, just winning basketball games, winning gold medals. And like you say, I mean, one thing that we don't get a whole lot over in the UK is college basketball, whether that be men's or women's. Um, We don't get a whole lot of it. One thing that you do kind of hear about is that UConn team, because that UConn team is 
is famous. I mean, it's famous probably world round, world round, because the women's team, what, what, they now got undefeated for like four years or something yeah. like that. It was something yeah. crazy. So, so college basketball, I think we need more of it internationally because then we could see these players because until these players come to the WNBA or they move to Europe, we don't mm. get to see them, um, which is sad. So hopefully in years to come with the WNBA growing in popularity, hopefully we'll get to see some college hoops as well especially UConn because they seem to be one of the most popular teams some of our fans have, have written in to us and said that some of our younger fans that UConn is the place they want to go so I did mention Tennessee however Michelle oh you know you see my face right now I'm like listen listen I hear you but you know I'm a lady ball for life I don't care, I don't care. lady ball for life <laughs> no this is actually you're right we do have to promote that more and get that out there because these young ladies globally need to be able to see an example and a representation of what's possible. I think you got to put USC on there uh, with Don Staley. You, you, there, it's even out. You got Adia Barnes leading her team from the NIT to the finals. Like there's so many teams now that are excellent. Like it, it's no longer UConn, Tennessee. It's anybody on any given night will whoop your behind. And it tells these young ladies, like, you don't have to go to a premier. You can go to any school you want and create that legacy. I think that's the best part of basketball is watching everything level out, even with the WNBA now. It's getting to the point where you can't even get everybody into the league. I, I do keep mentioning league expansion, but <laughs> maybe the WNBA will listen someday. I think Deanna Taurasi, for me, is, is someone who... A lot like Sue Bird is, is she's just had longevity. She's looked after herself and she has gone abroad. And at the same time, she's kind of been at home, had a family and still went off to Olympics. And, and I think that's really important. I think family life as well. And, and when I first started reading about players kind of going abroad during the WNBA off season, that was something I, I one of the questions I had was, how difficult is it to start a family when, yes, you live in the U.S. for six months a year, but for the other six months, you then have to go abroad and kind of play as well? It's, it's, it's tough. I can only speak for me personally. It's tough in the sense of there's the pride part of it, the competitive side of it. You want to battle the best. Like, I love playing her in Russia. We met in the finals a couple of times in Russia. We met in the finals in college. You know, like, it's it's been nothing but, you know, this. And watching her play. But going overseas is different. You know, people were talking about the bubble and how hard it was to be in Orlando. I was like, you're in the U.S. Are you serious right now? You can get American food. You can get anything you want. Everyone speaks English. Imagine being in Russia, where there is a huge language barrier. The accent is totally different. Um, the food is different. Time, 12 time zones. Okay, this, is, <laughs> this place is no joke. It's just different. And then people getting back and forth, it's hard for people to come and visit. It's hard for you to get back and forth. You're playing on holidays. So like being home for the fourth is like different. I'm never here. Even when you're in the US, I think people miss this point. You might be in the US. My family's in Florida, I'm in Houston. So it's still almost like you're kind of isolated outside of your teammates and those people that you're with every single day. And when you're playing as long as Diana is, like I did 16 years, she's darn near 20. That's a long time. 
by yourself. Thankfully, she's at that top tier and she can bring her family if she wants to. Every player isn't at that level and can't do that. So there's another level. There are more levels and nuances to this that people don't realize just how difficult it is to play overseas. You make a lot of sacrifices in order to provide for your family. So it's almost that, that um, old saying, you're trading time for money. And some of that time you don't get back. Like I came back home and people that were just born are now 16 years old and they're heading to college. So it's that side of it too, but you got to make the most of it. You use FaceTime, WhatsApp, and you just you have the videos and you make the most of it. And I think she's done a great job of that. Yeah, I think you're right. Technology nowadays has come along so much that so much. even though you're apart, you know, you've still got FaceTime, Zoom, like all these things are available to you now. So I think that's something that thankfully okay. is something that's changed. So no, I think Diana Torsi for me, like I say, is someone that has just had such a long and great career. Much like Sue Bard, like we spoke about last week, I think she's probably got a good few years left as well. Do you see her going into coaching afterwards? Honestly, I don't know. I'll be honest. I really don't know. She could do anything she wants to do. She may want to just enjoy life for a minute. I know I did. I took three years and just wanted to travel with no one telling me what time to get up and what time the plane was. Spend time with family. Like that's something that was important to me is to just be home and be, you know, she has her family that she just wants to spend time with as well. So I think she has to do what's best for her. And no matter what that is, she's going to finish as one of the top five easily to ever play and to, to play in the WNBA. She's definitely in my top five all-time WNBA. Whatever she chooses to do, I think it's going to be fun because she's always smiling. She's going to enjoy it. Hey, Kobe coined her white mamba. So it'll be interesting <laughs> if she says, you know, I want to be the white mamba and just go into coaching and allow people to see how her mind works, how she was able to do so much for so long. I would love to see her sharing that with others because I think it's important for young ladies to realize being outside, you can be outside and you can practice every day for two, three, four, five hours. If you're not practicing the right, right way, you're not the next white mama. And it's sometimes getting that part of, I, that's the part I want to see Diana share with others. I, I personally think she'll stay, if she's if she stays in the game, I think she stays in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. uh, her, her wife um, plays for uh, sorry, um, works for the team already, Penny. So, and I think, I think once you're settled in a city and you've been there like your entire career, uh, you probably don't want to move as much as you do. Uh, but <laughs> we will see what happens with Diana. Um, obviously she's got Team USA duty um, yes. coming up as well. So that's interesting. She gets to travel a bit more. We will take a quick break and then we will cover off uh, Maya Moore and we'll have a look yeah. at next week's games okay, welcome back so Michelle Maya Moore has not played for two years now because she has been doing something which she feels is far more important she's been honoured with the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at this year's ESPYs now other winners of this award have been Muhammad Ali Bill Russell Nelson Mandela those are huge names Absolutely huge names. I mean, Nelson Mandela, for me, I live in a country where rugby is quite a big sport. Obviously, Nelson Mandela was a big part of the South African rugby team uh, winning that World Cup many, many years ago now. So 
Muhammad Ali is obviously an iconic boxer, and Bill Russell is Mr. Boston Celtics. I mean, he he is everything about the Celtics. Maya is obviously quite young as well. I mean, yeah. these guys won this award a bit later in life. Uh, they were a bit older. But how important is it for someone like Maya to to be given these kind of flowers? She deserves them. Because most people will put off the things that need to be done in order to enjoy that fame, to, to let that competitive spirit kind of run everything. And we kind of praise that in our society. Like, oh, play as long as you can, you can do everything else later. You have to commend someone that has the resilience and the grit to say, this is what I stand for. These are my values. These are my beliefs. And if that means putting basketball to the side, I understand basketball is important, but justice is far more important. And it's something that I'm willing to put my career aside for. Yes, she should be giving her flowers. I can't wait for that 30 for 30 breakaway docuseries to come out. I can't wait for it to air on ABC. And I hope that people tune in and watch it because this is part of leveraging your platform or your stage as an athlete and all the awards that come along with it, she's taking it to another level and creating a stage for others. You have to commend that. Completely enamored with how much she has put into this and how much um, effort and time she's put into not just the game of basketball, but into bringing us closer as humans. I think as well, she, when I first read about it, uh, that she was taking time off, I was kind of, I was kind of like, surely she wants to play. I mean, like everyone wants to play, but the more you read, the more you found out just her commitment, like her sheer commitment has been, she's, she's decided that and, and recognized that there's something more important than basketball. That was the criminal justice reform that she's going about changing and she is making change. And I think that's an important part as well. It's not, she's just not kind of standing out on her soapbox, kind of shouting out, this change, this change, this change. She's going about it in such a good way that we are seeing changes happen. Hopefully now, you know, there's someone else in the White House. Uh, we should see changes happen a lot quicker because I think we now have politically a, a bit more of a... <laughs> less crazy way of doing things. So I'm hoping that she can do more. And and I think she will. And I think she's given this commitment to do so. She's never yet said she's retired. She's mm. always she's always just said she's on a break, much like uh, Ross and Rachel and friends. So so I think I think she will come back eventually, but I think when she's ready. And and that's important. To me, I, I go, she doesn't have to, but if she does, great. She's a WNBA. This isn't, she isn't the, the, the person at the end of the bench. She isn't the person that is a starter, but doesn't. This is a WNBA MVP. <laughs> this, four WNBA championships, two NCAA titles, two Olympic gold medals. She's cream of the crop. Like, and she's saying, this is more important. I'm going to put this to the side. This ball is great. It does a lot to bring us together, but I just want to do more. I think if she decides to come back, watch out. Watch out. This, this, she just plays with a level of passion and determination, that mentality that she has in her heart. 
Like she has a big heart and it's not just about that competitive drive to just win. It's about everybody winning. And that's something that really stands out about her from every other athlete that you meet that's at the top of their game. I think the commitment that she has, she was, she could only commit to one or the other. And I think she chose, she, she had two paths to go down and she decided that that was the path she was going to choose. And the, the social justice movement that's been happening in terms of prisons and everything else, men and women staying in prison for 50 years for so-called burglaries and so forth. Like her, her now husband Ed, was was sentenced to. That has now been overturned. That's great because I think we don't have it so much in this country. It does happen in the UK, but obviously not to the extent it happens in the US as there is profiling that goes on. Hopefully this is a good sign of things changing. And I think, I think when it's all said and done, she'll be at the forefront of this and she will be front and center. I think it's awesome. And I think what, not that it makes it any kind of better, but I think like you said, she's an MVP. She is the cream of the crop. The fact that she has decided to take that path is really important um, in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's awesome. And I think it's even better that she's being recognized for it at such a young age, because I think it, it brings more light to what she's doing as well. She's going to be one of those people we'll still be hearing about in 30, 40 years. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of doubt. I think her legacy may not be basketball. Her legacy may be this. This is more important. So um, I I am with her wholeheartedly, and I I follow her story. Uh, I'm looking forward to to see what she does next um, and where she goes next. Michelle, let's have a look. Last week, you gave us some absolute blowout games that were amazing. What have you got for us this week? To be honest, this week, I really want to see um, the Storm versus the Mercury. I want to see BG. I want to see Brittany Griner uh, up against the best of the best, DT. You know, we're talking about Diana this week, highlighting her. So to watch that team go up against the, the uh, Storm, I think it will be a great uh, matchup. I, th- I have decided that I'm going to go for Mercury as well, but against the Aces. I think this is really two strong teams, yeah. both out West. I, I really think the Mercury are one of those teams that could really kind of upset the West and upset the two leaders. Uh, and I, Brittany Griner is phenomenal. Like she is absolutely on fire just now. Her going up against Liz, I think that is a really good matchup to watch. And I'm also a big fan of uh, Diggins Smith. I think she she just has a I don't know what it is. It's just she just has a swagger, and <laughs> like I just like the swagger she can. I'm here. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> and like she just got a, a really good confidence, and it's not like a, a look at me kind of confidence. It's a, a really good confidence, and I think we talked about leadership before. Diana Taurasi was obviously the leader of this team, this Mercury team, and I think she kind of instills that and player the younger players like Dick and Smith and like Greiner. And I think this is going to be an awesome game. And I think I think Chelsea Gray could probably try and break out again and, and make sure everyone knows her name so that when it comes to the the all-star weekend we can uh, see her shine. 
But yeah, th- this is the game I'm looking forward to. I think it's going to be awesome. I, I think your game pro- is pretty good as well. And I like that we're, we're kind of highlighting the Mercury, both of us this week. I think it's going to be awesome. And that, that was one of them. I think this is like the Mercury's week to shine because they're going against two very strong teams in both games. So it'll be fun to kind of come back next week and see where they are and how they kind of matched up. No matter what happens, this is not a team that's going to lie down and die for anybody. So, Not at all. I don't think Diana would, uh, would ever allow that to happen. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us again this week. It's been an awesome show. And hey, happy 4th of July. Awesome. You too. You guys enjoy it. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Across the Pond WNBA podcast. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.